0: Okay, you, Dylan, your dad, right now, backyard,
1: game of horse, who wins, who loses? Oh, my God. I'm going to say me. But, but, I'm going to say me. But last time the three of us played horse, Dylan did beat us. (laughs) Dylan, Dylan won.
0: That was Ron Harper Jr., and this is On the Bench with Mike Hall. That's me. Ron Harper Jr. is the star men's basketball player at Rutgers. Of course, you recognize his name because of his famous father. Ron Harper was a longtime guard in the NBA who won five different NBA championships, including three with the galactically famous 1990s Chicago Bulls. Just before his playing career ended, he became a father to a son whom he gave the same name. Ron Jr. is now in his fourth year with the Scarlet Knights and is playing his best yet. This season in particular was notable as he helped his team beat the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers back in December, but it wasn't just that he beat them giving Rutgers their first ever win over a number one team. It was how he did it. He hit a half court buzzer beater to win the game. The now legendary Harper heave. So of course, my first thing I wanted to talk to him about was the shot of his life.
1: I remember so much and I forget so much at the same time, like coming out the huddle, I just remember telling the guys to give me the ball. And then when he scored, I was like, all right, it's go time. And I got the ball and I looked up at the clock and I was like, I think it was 3.4 seconds. And I was like, get some dribbles off. And I got to my spot and I remember shooting the ball and I shot it. And it like, it looked good. And I feel like I didn't even see it go in. Like I kind of just like expected it to go in. And then everybody just started going crazy running on the court. And then. Yeah, the rest is history, but after I put the shot up, I kind of don't remember seeing it go in. I just remember, like, the reaction. <laughs> How would you describe the reaction? The phenomenal, oh, oh, my God. That's, that's exactly what I came back to college basketball for, to play in front of fans, that have those type of games, uh, have those type of moments, and it was just something that's special, and that's something that I'll always remember. When did the celebration end? The celebration ended, uh, th- the next day I was doing some podcast interviews, but uh, after practice was over, I was kind of, like, done because I was trying to focus on the next game, seeing Hall, and they had just gotten a big win themselves. So the next day was when I really tried to, like, dial it down a little bit and just, like, try to move on and worry about the future. Yeah, but that night, you didn't, like, go to bed at 1030. No, (laughs) I didn't go to bed at 1030. I definitely didn't. (laughs) Me and my teammates, we went out and had fun and enjoyed ourselves for a little bit. You know, we we got a couple round of applause, round of applauses throughout the night, and it was just just one of those nice full-circle nights that you enjoy with your teammates. What was
0: the wildest part of the celebration?
1: Oh, um, so many, I, I, I remember watching the video and like my girlfriend was like the first person to run on the court. And like, I'm throwing my headband in the air and she's like running onto the court. And then Jalen Miller is running from the bench and they just collided and they're pretty good friends. And Jalen just like, he toppled, he like ran her over almost. And like, he's like covering up, trying to make sure she's not getting stepped on. And they're just on the ground. <laughs> But I didn't realize until after, and then I saw a video and they like, they full on ran into each other, full speed, full collision. And they're just on the ground, out, trying to help each other up. What did she say about it? She was like, oh my, she was like, I almost got to you first if it wasn't for Jalen. She was like, if you didn't just run me over, I would have, I would have been front and center to hug you first.
0: That's pretty great. And she didn't break up with you afterwards, I'm assuming. No, no, no. Okay, no. good, good. Yeah. <laughs> That collision, I could see. That was your guy who ran into me,
1: Ron. <laughs> yep.
0: Uh, coolest person who reached out
1: to you after the shot? Oh, I feel like the Magic Johnson tweet was pretty cool. You know, I haven't really talked to Magic Johnson since I've been with my dad when I was, like, in middle school at, like, NBA events. So to see him put that tweet up and, like, mention my name, that, that was pretty cool. Like He's a Hall of Famer, the best point guard of all time. So that, it was, like, shocking. It was, it was crazy.
0: I assume, have you ever hit a half-court shot before in a game?
1: No, that was my first one ever. Do you practice it? Uh, Not even, but, like, before, (laughs) at at the end of every shoot-around, we kind of shoot half-court shots, and it's, like, the first one to make it, it's, like, we're done, and it goes in, like, it goes, like, seniority, so, like, the oldest guy's first, and I, I made, like, I think I made almost 10 this season out of the games that we had, and I go third, so I'm always up there third but I, I make him at a pretty high clip and I kind of just shoot it like a regular jump shot, but that's like the, that's like the extent of practice that I get from those type of shots. I don't, I don't ever like go in the gym and just start shooting half court shots.
0: Do you remember what Paykel <laughs> said to you afterwards?
1: Oh don't know. I, I have no idea what Pike said. I don't think I saw Pike until we got back into the locker room <laughs> and then we threw a tub of water on him and he's just jumping up and down and he's just telling us we made history. I think that was the first thing he told all of us was like we made history. I don't, I think he just grabbed me, pulled me to the side. And he was just like, wow, and just like <laughs> disbelief. Like it's, it was just crazy.
0: What a cool moment, man. I mean, yeah. like you said, that's why you come back to college. That's that's something you'll never forget the rest of your yeah, life. Um, so, so here's sort of a bigger picture question about this season. Mm-hmm. How is it you guys are so good, you can beat the number one team in the country, but you also lost to Lafayette this year. How'd that mm-hmm. happen?
1: Oh, I feel like it was an accumulation of a bunch of things, you know uh coach Hobbs always talks about the power of preparation and our our preparation for that game was poor uh I feel like we kind of gave the game the cold shoulder and we kind of just expected to show up and win and when you have that kind of mindset uh you're not going to win many games especially in this league you won't win any game showing up to a basketball game like that but I feel like that served us as a wake-up call and it was well needed for this team, you know, the sense of urgency. Uh, I saw dudes motivated to work a lot harder after that. And ever since that game and the, the UMass game, Paul game, uh, I've kind of been seeing a different team out there, a different team in practice every day. Uh, I feel like our mindset has just gotten so much better and that we, we recognize that we have bumps in the road, but there's still so much season left and there's so many opportunities to be great. So we're just trying to salvage all of that.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe for all we know, you don't beat Purdue if you don't have mm-hmm. that wake-up call.
1: Yeah, a few yeah. Week
0: earlier. Um, let me talk to you about one of your teammates. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> his first name is Cliff.
1: How the hell do you say his last name? Omori, I think. Okay. You can quote me on that. I'm pretty confident that's how you say it. Because it's been a huge debacle for the last two years. Oh, he's he, he's telling dudes how to say his name. He, he keeps feeling like people are saying his name wrong. So yeah, I didn't know how to say his name until like this year. So it's not just you guys, it's right. not just fans, it's me too.
0: Well, that's that's the thing. Like, there's nothing if there's one thing I want to do as a broadcaster, it's to always say the name right. Like I can get a stat wrong, and I'm okay with that more so than getting mm-hmm. a name wrong. I always want to get names right. And we called him Omurui. And then we were told that he was like, No, no, you're saying it wrong. It's a Mori. And we were like, Oh, okay. So we called it a Mori. And then we were told, No, no, he says it's a now. And we we're like, wait, what? He goes, Yeah, it's a Morie. Amori- oh, yeah, Okay. I think that's and, what it and is. And then he he took they had him say it into a microphone after we were told it's Omarui. He wants it to be Omarui. And we listened to him say his own name, and it was Amori. And we were like, what is What is going on?
1: Yeah, Cliff doesn't know what he wants. It's just so confusing because before Cliff, we had a teammate, Eugene, with the same last name, and he was Eugene Amori. And that's kind of like whenever I see Cliff's last name, it's kind of what I think of first. And that's probably what you guys thought of first, too, when, like, the first right. game you called for him. But, yeah, Cliff doesn't know what he wants. If he's going to say his last name a million different ways, he can't say it to anybody else right well i've decided
0: i'm just gonna call him cliff <laughs> the rest of the time he's just cliff yep. there's no confusion on that one exactly you can pronounce that you can just sound that out real easy all right speaking of names so i have a, I have a life theory i want to run past you run all right so the back of your jersey says harper jr right mm-hmm. but it shouldn't here's okay. why and, and it's not you this is everyone who's a junior basically has junior the back of the jersey is for your last name your last name is not Harper Jr. You are Ron Jr. Harper is your last name. You're a junior because if your name was Bob, you wouldn't be a junior, but you're a Ron Jr. Harper Mm -hmm. is your last name. Tell me why I'm crazy.
1: I think you're correct. You know, that's that's not the last name. Like, the last name is, like, your family's last name. Like, the junior part and, like, the third and the rest after that, those are all suffixes. So, yeah, you're definitely right. I definitely think that you're correct on that but i don't think it'll ever change i feel like we're too deep i feel like every team in the country has somebody with junior the third or something like that attached to their name a hundred percent yeah
0: it's everywhere you're right literally Mm -hmm. every team has at least someone give me the best thing and the worst thing about being a junior uh
1: the best thing about being a junior is that especially with my dad he has a lot of great advice he can tell me a lot of stories and i laugh a lot and he just has a lot of great things to share with me about his journey and like what he went through. The worst thing about it is kind of like the same thing, you know, the expectations that come with carrying a name. you know, something I struggled with early on, but it's definitely something I've gotten better with, but the best part, it, it overshadows the worst by a lot. You know, I've learned how to deal with the worst of it and I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job with it.
0: See, I've always assumed the worst part would be if anyone calls out and you're with dad, Hey Ron, no, no Ron Harper. And you're both like, yes, what I'm right here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would never look when we were when I was younger, but now when me and him are out in public and someone says like, "Hey, Ron," we're just both like turning our head and we're like we're waiting for them to identify which one they're talking to. But you two aren't the only ballers.
0: Um, Dylan is your brother, mm-hmm. and he's got some game. Give me a little scouting report. How's his game compared to yours?
1: Uh, I, I feel like me and my little brother are, like polar opposites. Yeah, and I feel like you know we're we're kind of similar in size. He's shooting up there. He's like six four, six five. He's a lefty, I'm a righty, I'm a forward, he's a, he's a guard. He's like a, he's a, he's a, a true point guard, combo guard. And the way we score is different, the way we defend is different and the way we just do everything by the end of the day, we're both ballers. And I kind of grew up like watching him play like that. So he's never changed the style that he plays no matter how tall he is, he wants to be a guard. And I feel like that's a common trend with a lot of kids these days, but he's just, he's relentless. You know, he has every move in that bag of his, he can break you down off the dribble. He can, he's big enough to where he can shoot over you and he can definitely take it to the basket. And he will surprise you with his athleticism. So he's going to be a great player.
0: Yeah. Sounds like uh, you need to start your go to Rutgers recruiting pitch.
1: <laughs> Don't worry. I started a long time ago. <laughs>
0: have you have you tried to be like no 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 i want you to come here or are you sort of like i'm gonna stay out of it you do whatever yeah yeah
1: maybe i'll hint that every once in a while but i try to like ease him into it at at the end of the day i respect his decision because i know going through the decision making process how it felt with my dad's old college being on the table for me to go to and i kind of didn't want to go there because like he was so great over there that i felt like the expectations would be too great so i I kind of know what happens with dylan it's all like a big like waterfall trickle-down effect with me, my dad, and my little brother. And I'll just, like, it just keeps piling up, and he's kind of like the end recipient of it. But he, at the end of the day, I know he's going to make the right choice. He has so many good people in his corner, giving him good advice that wherever he ends up, I know he'll be happy, and that's what's most important to me.
0: Okay, you, Dylan, your dad, right now, (laughs) backyard, game of horse, who wins, who loses?
1: Oh, my God. I'm going to say me, but, but... I'm gonna say me, but last time the three of us played horse, Dylan did beat us. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan won. Dylan won. The last time we played horse was uh, April 2020, my dad's driveway. My dad has one of those rinky-dink uh, basketball hoops with the with the bad backboard, so you're just throwing anything at the backboard and it's going in. I don't like playing horse like that, but those two, they'll play horse like that all day. So uh, I'm pretty sure I, I got eliminated first, and then him I, I, they were playing for like they had to be like 30 minutes and it was getting so competitive they were getting like so heated amped up and then Dylan ended up winning and Dylan would have been so mad if I came out here and you asked that question and I didn't tell the story because we still talk <laughs> about it today like if we're at dinner or like after the game we we'll would be like dad who won in horse last time was be played and then we're just like you got it bro you got it how's your dad handle losing to you guys uh, he hated it. When, I remember when I first started, like, being able to compete with my dad in, like, one-on-one and stuff like that. We would go to, like, Lifetime Fitness in, in Monville, New Jersey, and we, we would just be playing, and, I, and I'd be winning by, like, two or maybe one, and he'd be like, I can't play no more, like, my back, my knee. And every, every day was a new body part. So I don't think he really wanted to play anymore. But <laughs> I don't think he wants to play Dylan anymore either. He, he used to play Dylan all the time. But I think he's just going to take a back seat and see if there's any other challenges that uh, are going to step up. That's, that's smart,
0: right? Because yeah. he's already proven himself, right? Five mm-hmm. titles in the pros. He played most famously with MJ, Scotty, Rodman, the amazing 1990s Bulls. What story does he tell you? the most about that specific time with those players in Chicago?
1: The story he tells me most is like the breakfast club with Michael Jordan and how he would have guys at his house preseason, postseason, and just trying to get them ready. And they, they would like wake up at like 5 a.m., eat breakfast, and they just spend like the majority of the day working out, working out, and just getting better. And that's why they were that good on the court. And That's why. They knew exactly where each other were at every time on the court. They just had such great chemistry because they worked towards it. And Michael Jordan was such a devoted leader that he didn't care if you had to house 50 guys and get them all in a workout at the same time. He was going to do it. He would knock at your door if you were waking up late. But, uh, yeah, that's the the best story my dad tells me because it just shows, like, the true devotion that that group had, and especially MJ. And it just goes to show when you have a great leader, dudes are going to follow you. You know, my dad and the rest of the supporting cast for that team, you know, they just kind of. They kind of went with it. They followed his lead, and and they got the ultimate result from that. They got they got a lot of championships to show. Yeah. So they would do that every day. I'm not sure, like every day, but like I think they would go like weeks where they would like just stay at his house and just do that every day. <laughs> and,
0: and then you know maybe
1: the- they'd have an, maybe they'd have an off day and they go out or hang out or something. But you know it, it was definitely rewarding. He 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 says it was a great time even though it was hard. But you know he tells me that's the type of stuff that builds champions. Yeah
0: uh what's the best memorabilia you have from your dad's playing days
1: oh I have so much stuff uh I have from his playing days one I have his jersey with a signature on it I have a game worn Julius Urban jersey signature oh. on it uh a Kobe one with his signature on it at the house <laughs> we got a Michael Jordan one with the with the signature it, he just has like It's crazy. From his playing days, he's met so many great players, great connections in every single sport. You know, in his basement, there's like a box, a bunch of just like, it's just filled with memorabilia. And it's like, it's like there's way too much of it to hang it up on a wall. And it's just signed game war jerseys, like exclusively. Like Barry Sanders is in there, Barry Bonds. It it crosses every sport. There's some hockey jerseys in there. But yeah, the memorabilia is crazy with him. I would give a week's salary
0: just to look through that box and just it's to spend insane. ten minutes whipping through it and be like, "Oh man, that'd be cool."
1: Yeah, that box. That box is crazy. That box is probably worth a lot of money. But you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he loves he he loves that kind of stuff. Did you watch any of the Last Dance with your dad? Yeah, I, it was during quarantine, so when it was coming out we had already seen it like a month prior because he he had all the episodes on his iPad. So I kind of got, I got to see it like, I got to see it like a month before everybody else. But it it was, it was fun though, because he would get like an episode a day and then we go over there and watch an episode. And then we like, we want to see more then you watch another one the next day and it just keeps going on. And it was just, it was great to see. It was hilarious. It was funny. It was exactly, it was everything I expected it to be.
0: That was, that must have been amazing for you because like the whole country was watching that and not only are you watching that as a fan of entertainment and basketball but your pops is in it that must have been wild
1: yeah it was crazy just watching his whole journey you can kind of like see his whole journey throughout there you know it got it got his battles with mj from when he was on the calves and stuff And and then he got that iconic interview where he where he uh gives off a little bit of a uh of a statement on what he thought should have should have been the call in the last play, uh, it was just crazy. And then you see him come to the Bulls, and you know what they just did was amazing. And the the last dance only shows a portion of it. They have so many more stories that they could tell. You know, being a championship team of that caliber, you just every day could be a story. They, yeah. There could be there could be seasons on seasons worth of the last dance. Yeah, uh
0: y- you wouldn't dare debate your dad on who was better, MJ or LeBron, would you?
1: No, I'd never do that. Uh, I'm an MJ guy myself, so. There you go. That's because you're right. But I just feel like it's generations. Like, LeBron will always be the GOAT of this generation. MJ was the the GOAT of the last. But it's just so hard to compare the two, you know. It's just like with every sport. The game evolves, you know. The skill level is going to evolve for years to go on. I'm sure 50 years down the line, we'll see somebody else who everybody's calling the GOAT and debating against those guys. But at the end of the day, you just appreciate greatness while you can see it.
0: Agreed. You shouldn't be hating either of their games. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're so different, you know, LeBron's been doing it for so long. His longevity is just, it's, insane. it's, not, it's not fair. It's not comparable. They didn't have the that type of medicine. They didn't have the, the nutrition and all that stuff mm-hmm. when Jordan was playing. He didn't have the chance to do that. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. You can't really uh, compare them. Okay. Uh, in your time in the Big Ten, it's been a while. Who's the hardest guy that you've had to guard?
1: In just the Big Ten, mm, the hardest guy I've had to guard in the Big Ten is hands down James Palmer. <laughs> my oh. freshman, my freshman year. Oh my goodness, he was it was like a it was like a nightmare to be honest. Yeah, because like <clears throat> we played him, we played him at the at the rack when it was called the rack back then, and he he had like his little 20, 22. But I barely guarded him. Like I think Montez Mathis got the. Got the garden for most of the game. And then we played them in the Big Ten tournament. And they had like six scholarship dudes, a walk-on playing because like <laughs> they had dudes suspended, dudes hurt out for the season. And they're they're 14th in the Big Ten and we're 10. Uh, maybe 12 or 30. I don't remember exactly. But I just remember I got that assignment because the, the lineup changed. And it was just like a clinic. Oh my God. It was like he had 34 by the end of the night. And it was just like, he would take one dribble at the three-point line. And he, next thing you know, he's doing a reverse layup. And his, like, strides, he just, he had such a pro game. And we were throwing, like, three, four dudes at him. And that's how you know you're having, like, a good night. Like, you see different dudes starting to line up on you. And he was just having one of those nights. And then he went out the next day, and he did the same thing to Maryland. And then he went out the next day, and they lost. But he also had, like, 20-plus points. So that's definitely the hardest player I've had the guard since I was here.
0: That's a good name. That's a good yeah. pull because that won't, you know, uh, he was a great player, but won't be necessarily looked at as like a Luca Garza or as a mm-hmm. Cassius Winston or somebody who made like a bigger name. But he was, he was tough, man. He was like serious.
1: That. He was real deal.
0: <laughs> How about the flip side? Who is the hardest guy for you to score
1: against when they were guarding you? Hmm. That's a a lot of names come to mind. You know, a lot of a lot of these bigger forwards that I've had to match up against like the Keegan Murray's the Lamar Stevens and Malik Hall from Michigan state. Those, those, probably those three guys right there. They had, they play similar on defense. They're real lengthy, real strong. And me, I'm trying to use my size to get to my spots, to get the best advantage. But you know, those guys, they have just as much size, some strength and you know, they just, they make life real hard to score. I them.
0: Yeah. You once described your game. Uh, someone asked, How do you describe the way you play on the court? The word you described it with was funny. Mm -hmm.
1: What do you mean by that? It's just funny, you know, uh, because I feel like I can do a lot of things that people don't expect me to do. You know, I feel like I'm a lot more athletic than people give me credit for and then I, I can surprise you sometimes you know I, I hit a really deep three make a really tough layup, and it's just funny to me like I can remember like freshman sophomore year being at the foul line and dude's like he can't shoot foul shots and shooting threes and coaches like not a shooter so that's that's what I mean by funny like it's uh I feel like I play like a real unorthodox game like I can do everything and a lot of guards are a lot of dudes aren't really used to guarding that and yeah you know I feel like that's what I mean by when I say funny I like it.
0: All right, Ron, uh, we're almost done, but not yet. Before you go, we're going to do before you go. Four questions unrelated to anything at all. You ready? All right, I'm ready. Number one, you went to a
1: famous high school. What is it like at Don Bosco? Oh, it's a brotherhood. It's a lot of laughs, a lot of memories, a great education, a great environment. And it's definitely somewhere I would send my son to. Uh, Don Bosco Prep is just, I built so many relationships from there. And I, I talked to so many of my friends that I graduated with. Even the dudes that I don't talk to every day, you know, when we interact, it's always like, it's all love. It's just such a brotherhood. And at Bosco, it's such a great culture. Like the, from the coaches, to the teachers, to the faculty, uh, all those people really wish the best for you. And it's just a, a great place. And I, and I love it there. And I'm actually going to go back tonight to go see my little brother play. So it's funny that you asked me.
0: Nice. Well, there have been some great athletes who've come from Don Bosco, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Some great athletes, you know, I, I got the pleasure of watching a lot of them. You know, one name that comes to mind being a Rutgers guy is Leonte Carew. Mm. You know, me and Leontay, we talk every, all the time. We have a great relationship and he's back at Bosco, you know, working with the kids, working for the next generation. And he's just a, such a great dude. And he says so many records here at Rutgers and he plays at the next level. So he's everything that a Bosco kid should look up to and a Rutgers dude. That's great.
0: All right, number two. Uh, in the past, you have described your head coach as having the ability to get hyper. Mm-hmm. What is the most hyper you've ever seen Steve Feichel <laughs> get?
1: Oh, the most hyper. There's so many stories I could tell on here, but I think he'd, he'd be so mad if I did. But the <laughs> most hyper, the most hyper he's ever been was definitely after we beat Purdue. He was. Hey, we threw the water on him, and I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be, like, mad and upset. Like, he's drenched, just, like, lathered in, in ice-cold water. Like, he just did the ice bucket challenge, and he's jumping up and down, screaming, dancing, and it's, that's definitely the most hype I've seen him. He was so excited, and he was just – he was living in the moment. That's something Coach that with does great. I love that. Uh,
0: all right, number three, toughest Big Ten arena to play in.
1: Mackey Arena, hands down, every day of the week. You know, I'll, I'll take that to the grave. Mackey Arena is the hardest place to play. You know, I just, I remember so many things about Mackey Arena. I remember exactly how it looks, where the students are, how they hold, like, a countdown. But, like, the most frustrating thing to do at Mackey Arena is shoot foul shots. Because, like, at the foul line, I try to go up there, and I'm like, it's just me and the rim. It's just me to rim of the ball. I'm trying to zone everything else. And you just see like hands behind the backboard and like, you're trying to concentrate and like, you just see a bunch of waving fingers and it's just the most frustrating thing because it's just, you're just trying to relax, but like, it's just so much movement that it's like so hard to focus.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's just crazy place.
0: I think most people would say that too. I mean, it's always yeah. there've been some great ones, like when Indiana's good, when Illinois is good, like when Michigan State's good. Their arenas are impossible. But Mackey is so consistently said, yeah, the toughest one. I, I I'm not surprised you said that. All right, the fourth and final one: when your playing career is over, whenever that is, what are you gonna do?
1: I want to broadcast. You know, that's what I kind of went to school for. You know, I'm, I'm a journalism, I'm a journalism and media studies major with a specialty in sports journalism. So. Uh, I'd like to get into broadcasting, maybe coaching after that, but I always want to stay around the game. I feel like I'm a pretty good basketball mind, and I just love to talk about basketball. Like I could sit here for hours, I could do a play by play, I could analyze the game after. And it's just, I just always want to be around basketball. So that's, that's what I would see myself doing after.
0: Ron, I know a guy in the sportscasting industry.
1: I'm yeah. Just saying,
0: I know some people.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. I got to get in touch.
0: If, if you want me to fire Robbie Hummel so you can take over for him, I'm ready to do that. <laughs> no, you can't do Robbie like that. Oh, Robbie's a good guy, man. <laughs> he is. He is. Maybe one day we'll be sharing a set, you, me, and Hummel. Sound like a plan? Maybe
1: one day. Sounds like a plan for sure.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thanks for your time, Ron. Thank
1: you guys for having me, Mike.
0: That was Ron Harper Jr. My thanks to him for joining me, and my thanks to you for listening. From the Big Ten Network in Chicago, I'm Mike Hall. We'll see you next time.